The following content is sponsored in partnership with Haymarket Media US. It's the PR Week Podcast in partnership with Coin PR. On today's episode. At the end of the day, you can have an analyst looking at numbers endlessly, but you're not going to be able to pull an insight unless you understand the work and the goal that it's in relation to. Putting a bunch of numbers on a dashboard in front of uh, Mm -hmm. us is not going to resonate. You have to be able to translate that into action. And not just what happened, but why it happened and then what needs to be done about it. Here's your host, Gideon Fiddleside. Hello, everyone. This is Gideon Fiddleside, Editorial Director of Custom and PR Week. It is my distinct pleasure to be with you all today to talk about a topic that has clearly entered table stakes status for every communicator, data. Our session today is called From Intuition to Insight, Leveraging Data to Refine Your Craft and Deliver Proven Results. And while this is surely not the first time any of you have attended a session about this topic, I credit our sponsor today, CoinPR, for its unique vision of positioning this conversation around the idea of establishing a measurement culture. And it's really important and helpful to think of it that way because measurement could still be an overwhelming concept to new and seasoned pros alike, given how fundamental it is to every aspect of the modern PR function. And whether you work in an agency, in-house department, or any setting, I assure you that your clients and or C-suites and or key stakeholders, their expectations of you from reporting to strategy development to media relations to research demand a mastery of measurement. I know everyone out there understands how much this applies to them. And I also know this, two amazing speakers are joining me today to impart knowledge and wisdom that will help you immediately and longer term. It is my pleasure to introduce them now. Sierra Luttrelli, Senior Account and Supervisor, Analytics and Measurement Strategist at CoinPR, and Chelsea Merkin, SCP, Head of Insights Consulting at Cision. I want to thank both of you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you for having us. I've had the pleasure of speaking with both of these terrific leaders before today, and you guys are in for a treat. You're going to learn a lot. It's going to be, it's going to be entertaining. And without further ado, let's just get right to it. Sierra, I'm going to start with you. I think the best way to describe the evolution of the PR role as it relates to measurement is this way. Data analytics are no longer things that need to be added to the PR role. They are now part of the PR role, but incorporating them into the day-to-day is still tricky for most communicators. Can you provide counsel on how PR pros can best and most efficiently do this? Absolutely. I mean, I think you really hit the nail on the head, right? If you think back, measurement used to be kind of a buzzword. I know when I started, at least it was, um, it was very much kind of like an aspirational topic, something you love to explore. You know, you might check the box, use it here and there. Um, but historically no one really dove in head first, right? They didn't know how to evoke actionable change, use it in the day to day. But I totally agree. I think recently, especially data and analytics has come to the forefront, right? Not only are they part of our day-to-day role now, but in my opinion, I I think it's actually the most powerful tool we have in order to execute our work. So I completely agree. I think now is a great time to think through how to implement measurement into your work um, and also, you know, how to improve, right? How do you learn? What are, what's the best approach? And I think when doing that, the first challenge that I tend to see is getting rid of this notion that there's a one size fits all approach, because I think that's the challenge. Some people might not feel totally analytically fluent, right? They haven't been trained as an analyst and, 
you see these tools that have beautiful graphs. Um, I know Boolean search logic, just when I first started, that was like, whoa, right? Like kind of a, a foreign concept. But at the end of the day, it wasn't something I had to immediately go in and have this super in-depth approach, right? It's actually something that depending on brand size, the goals of the brand and what project you're working on, there's a variety of different ways that you can really implement measurement. And I think that by getting over that hump, you're able to efficiently do this, right? And once you've gotten over that initial hump, I think there's three main components that would be my recommendation as to um, how to implement measurement into your day-to-day work. And first and foremost, right, I think it would be to start small. Measurement isn't always, you know, the big graphs and looking at things year over year and having these amazing insights. I really think it comes down to knowing, you know, how am I monitoring coverage? What topics am I monitoring? Have I cleaned up the coverage that I'm looking at to make sure that you're truly becoming an expert, not only in the data and what's present, but also in your industry and any adjacent media conversations that are happening there, right? So that's number one. I think number two is something that is also something people tend to wait to implement. um, And ultimately it does a disservice is the concept of baselining, right? So I think a lot of people have this notion that you bring in measurement when there's a big question to answer or a big trend or a big insight you want to find. But by baselining, and by that I mean getting a firm understanding of just your current media performance, right? Understanding where you're showing up in the media, what your quality of coverage is, right? All of these different components. Understanding that baseline will well situate you to essentially bring those insights forward in the future. So again, I think it's just taking that first step. And then when you do that baseline, to always approach it with the mindset of, quality over quantity, right? I think gone are the days where it's just get tons and tons of results, but don't reach your target audience, right? I think there's a clear goal in mind um, in order to be efficient and to use the data efficiently. So I think if you do those three things, you'll kind of be set up for success when it comes to implementing data and analytics into your day-to-day role. Wow. (laughs) You know, Chelsea, I guess I owe you an apology because Sierra's clearly going to be a very, very tough act to follow. But I've worked with you before, so I know you're up for the challenge. And look, clearly when we're talking about data and measurement and things like that, having someone from a company like Cision is probably a really good idea. And Chelsea's about to prove that because I have a question for you now, Chelsea. There is clearly a greater demand among PR pros and the brands they represent for more data-driven recommendations and earned media analytics. From the perspective of a company that helps so many brands and PR pros with this exact thing, what are you seeing in the market right now? Yeah, I mean, I it, I think there's spot on that there's more demand. There's more demand for data-driven insight. We're hearing it um, all over the place. And I uh, we're, we're releasing our 2023 State of the Communications Industry Report. Um, and there's some really interesting findings in there. So I think this, this idea of more demand is driven, it's rooted in the fact that we're seeing we're seeing more chief communications officers reporting directly into the C-suite. So in our in our global comms report, it's up 47%, up to 47% reporting directly into the CEO, whereas just a couple of years ago, it was 57% reporting through marketing. 
Um, certainly, I think societal changes are a factor here where communicators are no longer viewed as just crisis mitigators, but also strategic advisors to that C-suite. But data also plays a big role. Um, you know, it's arming communicators with data to ground that advice in something sound. Uh, and on the other side of that coin, it's also driving an increased appetite, right? So you could say that the C-suite is both empowering communicators as well as uh, forcing C-suite to expect more from their advisors in terms of data. So this is where the demand comes from. I think those teams, uh, therefore, the teams that are supporting those chief comms officers need quicker access to data and insights so that they can be armed with this insight as they advise the C-suite and make recommendations, both proactively and reactively. Um, and those teams are really leaning into platforms and the teams that leverage platforms to allow them to offer insight at the speed of business. So if we look at other findings in the report, you know, the most common reasons that we see teams using these platforms, monitoring measurement platforms are for content ideation, followed closely by analytics, and then uh, following up an understanding of impact and ROI. But even so, we're still seeing that communicators are struggling to connect the dots between earned and social media outputs and business outcomes. And 50% of communicators are saying that they're still struggling to glean actionable insight that they can use to inform the business. So more appetite, more demand, but you know, still, still a question that people struggle with. Uh, so uh, it's, it's certainly as, as relevant as it ever has been, and, and I think more so with this shift in the, the reporting lines. Um, very much appreciate that. And um, first of all, um, Chelsea, thank you so much for mentioning the Global Comms Report. Um, as, if I may uh, selfishly chime in, clearly that's obviously yeah. a report that Decision and PL Week have worked on together for yes. six years. And yes. it's really interesting to see how things have evolved over those six years. And I have to say, and I don't say this a lot, no one really does, but I mean, if there's if there's one good thing that came out of the pandemic, and I know there aren't many, I think the C-suite's appreciation of what comms brings to the table really actually rose a lot during that period. And what I also really appreciate what Chelsea said there was um, she only barely mentioned proving the impact of what communicators do. I'm not naive. Yes, that's important. And communicators are still fighting that battle. But that's not what you that's to, that should not be the main purpose of your data collection. Your, the purpose of your data collection is making better decisions to move brands ahead. I'm going to stop now because you guys want to hear from Chelsea and Sierra, and I I feel myself starting to opine a bit. Don't want to do that. You could you could already see the professorial talents of Sierra and Chelsea. I can't believe I said that without stuttering. That was pretty good, Sierra. <laughs> I great. I have a question. I have a question for. I have another question for you now. What we've already established in this conversation is the importance of looking at all of this from a measurement point of view. Please explain what that means to you. And Sierra, how can brands truly establish that kind of perspective? I think that kind of still goes back to this whole measurement culture conversation. So Sierra, please. Absolutely. No, I think you're absolutely right. It definitely comes into the measurement culture conversation. And I think to, to first reiterate the importance of having that measurement point of view is, as Chelsea mentioned, the demand is there, right? We know now it's, it's no longer a check the box. This needs to be part of your day-to-day. -day. It's not only an expectation of you know, comms teams, but larger business teams, right? That when you're sitting at the table and you're giving a recommendation, you need to be able to back that up. Um, and again, I love the the name of this, right? From intuition to insight, because I think as communicators, we, we have a really strong sense of intuition. Um, you kind of have to, right? You develop it over the years. 
But at the end of the day, intuition is just intuition until you can back it up. So that's why that I think demand is growing. And what I've seen is that more and more brands are actually looking to their agency partners to you know, provide these data-driven recommendations um, and to rely on earned media analytics um, in order to prove that insight, right? It not only proves the value of work to marketing counterparts, but I think it also just allows teams to come at things from a different perspective um, and one that is super informed, right? So again, definitely important to have that measurement point of view. But like I said, there there really is not a one size fits all. And you need to keep that in mind when it comes to forming your measurement point of view. So really, no matter what stage you're at, right, whether it's someone who's new to data and analytics and trying to figure out how to implement it, um, or someone who I like to call as an analytics advocate, right? It's in every conversation they have, every strategy conversation they have. It's important that those two essentially work together to prepare that measurement point of view. And for us, that means starting by counseling clients and brands to shift their mindset. Um, for a lot of people, and I think you know it's changed a bit in recent years, but people still look at measurement and analytics as a form of, you know, a tool to essentially create this like report card of results. Um, and to me, I, I think it's just so much more than a report card. It's more than just speaking to the success of a campaign. Um, it's really more of a tool, right? It's a kind of serve as a catalyst to business growth. Um, and I think that's the first thing to overcome. And I think that that needs to be part of the measurement point of view as to when and where analytics comes in is not just on the back end. It needs to be proactive. So that's number one. I also think though, um, where a lot of teams go wrong is they essentially, like I said, there's kind of this disconnect. Sometimes people in their brain think, you know, there's the creative type and then there's the analytical type. And the creative type will pull in the analytical type when they think that they need them, right? Because it's like, okay, like now I need that insight. I need that data. Um, and I think that that ultimately is doing a disservice to teams, right? So when it comes to our measurement point of view, we think that earned media analytics, or at least a basic understanding of the concept and how to use those tools and how to implement those insights should really be deemed essential, not just for those analysts, right? For those who are heavily measurement driven, but also for the more creative types, the ones that are working on day-to-day -day account work um, and so on. And in order to do that, you really need to make sure teams are investing in not only the right tools, but also in the proper education. Because again, it is fairly new, right? Being able to implement this into your day-to-day -day work. But essentially by doing that, by connecting, right, the day-to-day -day account team to analysts and people who are vastly educated in looking at earned media analytics um, is what is truly the, the pivotal part. And that's how you create that measurement culture. Um, because rather than having a, a divide right between the two sides, you can now actually start to have those conversations of, you know, I'm creating a media list and I know my relationships, but when you measure the media, you might find you should be targeting a whole different area that you might not have thought of before. Um, or it can be something as high level as I'm writing a media strategy. And if my goal is X, I need to do Y, right? So you can really start to connect those dots and be smart with how you're working like with your team, be smart about how you're integrating right with different parts of the marketing funnel. So I think it really is just really integrating, right? Putting those two minds together rather than that siloed approach. 
Um, thank you so much for that. Um, definitely very professorial of you. And I like how you threw I like how you threw in the report card thing. That was a nice touch with the professorial oh, thing. <laughs> very good. Now, Chelsea, there are many listeners out there who are really only beginning their measurement journey. What guidance would you give them to start that journey the best way possible? Yeah, it's a great it's a great question. Um, I think our industry has been plagued by a fear of measurement. You said the word already, and the answer is to simply start. Right? You know, cost and time with all of the different uh, solutions really no longer a barrier. There's really no longer a barrier. There's no excuse for for anyone to sort of shy away from from simply starting. You know, obviously, a monitoring platform is is the first place to start. I would then encourage. Uh, you know, I would encourage practitioners to think about what the key use cases are for measurement. And I like to think about it in terms of sort of four key use cases. The most common being sort of those report cards we're talking about, although I wouldn't view them as report cards, but really understanding um, understanding which metrics are going to help us understand if we're moving the needle, right? If the efforts that we're, that we're undertaking and all of the different tactics that we're deploying every single day, day in, day out, are driving us towards some sort of longer term goal. So KPI and performance measurement, still very important, still very relevant to be able to prove that what we're doing is actually working and learn what's not working and what can be improved. And then there's sort of the day-to-day, you know, event and campaign reporting. So thinking about, um, you know, are we are we being successful with this tactic that we've deployed? Are we, uh, did we invest in the right places? And, and being able to sort of compare different tactics that we've deployed over the course of the year and how that's moving the needle in terms of the overall uh, performance measurement. Then there's the more reactive side, which is the crisis reporting and alerting. So being able to quickly uh, assess the, the size and scale of a, of a crisis, understand if it's uh, trending up, trending down, if there's a, um, you know, a learning there that uh, is there, a, is there a past crisis that we can look to, to inform our response strategy. And then finally, I think the most underused use case, which Sarah hit on earlier, is the more proactive use cases, which I would I would broadly put under the umbrella of market intelligence. So leveraging data and leveraging, you know, monitoring and measurement uh, solutions to understand, you know, if we're trying to reach a specific target audience, what is the best, the most effective way to do that? Which influencers are are they are most likely to reach them? Which which messages are most likely to resonate? Uh, what timing uh, should we think about in terms of releasing this event or, do, or launching this product or putting out this announcement, right? Depending on how things have, have, have looked in the past. So definitely thinking about what are for, you know, not just thinking strictly about one of those use cases, but really what are the, the different use cases that you're trying to action? And then, you know, if your goal is to start showing the impact of your efforts, so those kind of KPI and event reporting types of, of, of um use cases, I would say consider setting or thinking about how you can set some measurable objectives. So don't measure for the sake of measuring. You know, a lot of people get started by, yes, we have to start monitoring and tracking. And, and Sierra spoke about base establishing a baseline, extremely important so that we can think about what a reasonable and achievable goal and objective might be, whether it's improving sentiment, whether it's uh, increasing key message penetration, whether it's improving share of voice, Again, consistency really important here, and uh, ensuring that we're measuring the same way over over a period of time to understand how we're moving the needle. And then the other tip I would give to people getting started is, don't fall into. So Sarah again alluded to this earlier, volume based metrics, right? Don't fall into the habit of clip counting. 
perfection's not the aim when you're setting up a measurement program. There, there tends to be a, a tendency in our practice to want to make sure we're capturing every last clip. And that makes sense, right? We, we work really hard to secure placements and we want to make sure we're getting credit for those placements. But you know, really what we're trying to accomplish is directional insight and directional guidance. And that, that doesn't require perfection to achieve. So um, those would be the tips that I would give to uh, people that are, are thinking about starting out with the measurement program. You know, I, I know, I know this is like a video vodcast format, but I hear the people taking notes out there. And if I don't hear that, that's a problem. This is terrific advice from both of you. Thank you so much. Um, moving on to the, the next topic, Sierra, back to you. And I'm not going to lie. You actually probably touched on this a little bit, but this is a topic that I often talk about with professionals. So I really wouldn't, if, if some of it's repetitive, I think it's great. I'm sure you'll have some new thoughts as well, but when it comes to data and PR, one of the more common things you'll hear said is that data and PR, when they work harmoniously together, it's the perfect marriage of art and science. That sounds great, but merging those two is still very, very hard. How do you truly meld the art and the science effectively? Absolutely. No, I think that's such a great question um, and something that I feel like I explore a lot. Um, something a little, you know, fun fact about me is I, in my younger years, was a true math science whiz. Like that was my headspace. That's where I was at. But as I got older, I just loved kind of the more artistic side of my brain. I love being creative. But when it comes to working in PR, I think there really is, to your point, a perfect balance of the two, because like I said, there there is something about intuition. There's something about the art of learning this industry over time. Um, and about the art of relationships and just understanding consumers and how to reach them. But at the end of the day, I also think that going blindly by intuition can be a disservice right over time. Um, and I think what we're doing today and what a lot of people are doing really well is to your point, marrying the two. Um, and in order to do that, I think it's understanding that again, bridging the gap of analytical fluency like I said, there's usually, you know, there's a right side of the brain and there's left side and having them work together is the way to do that. Because at the end of the day, you can have an analyst looking at numbers endlessly, but it, you're not going to be able to pull an insight unless you understand the work and the goal that it's in relation to. And you're also not going to be able to pull it if it's the only time and one period of time that you're looking at this data, as opposed to shifting, right? Watching it grow over time as the brand grows over time. So I think it's really bringing that kind of human lens to data. Um, and I think by doing that, it actually makes our jobs so much easier. Not to say things are easy, of course, but I think then that that second of self-doubt when you are guided by intuition only goes away because you're able to prove it. You feel really good about your work and you can feel really good about the recommendations that you're making. So. I think that that is part of the conversation. And I think to that same point, right, in how mentioning data is just numbers until you translate it, you can say the same thing about KPIs, right? So I think, Chelsea, to your point of what you had mentioned, it's the concept of having measurable objectives. And I think this is also where art and science come in together because to your point, we can be tracking a ton of metrics, but if those metrics don't actually tell the story that you need them to tell, you're not going to be able to pull out those insights that really can be make or break in a campaign, right? So by understanding the brand's goals and translating data through that lens, and then 
working with the, again, the day-to-day accounting to actually apply those insights in real time as things are happening and as more news is coming in. Um, I think that is really the, the perfect recipe for successful programs. Um, and to just, again, make sure that the recommendations that you're giving are well-informed. By doing this, you essentially, you yield both great results, but you also open your team to the concept of bringing new insights to light that you might not have been looking for, right? So that's the beauty of it too, is I think there is the art of just being able to get a pulse on the landscape and just knowing when something's going to start to trend. Um, But your eyes can't be everywhere and these tools can, right? Like they're able to look at everything all at once. And I think it's opens the opportunity to bring those insights to light and then like I mentioned, it allows teams to act much more quickly because you're looking at it over time consistently. And then when those insights come up, you know they're important, you know the impacts that they're gonna have, and you're able to counsel brands and you know work with your team to really capitalize on that. I, I just wanted to interject and say sure. one quick thing on this because I, I, I think this is so important. One of the things that we hear so often from customers on the topic of art and science is the importance of data-driven storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And the, the, the fact that the data is meaningless, right? Like putting a bunch of numbers on a dashboard in front of uh, mm-hmm. is not going to resonate. You have to be able to translate that into into action um, and not just what happened, but why it happened and then what needs to be done about it. And so I just wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to double down on that point you made, Sarah, because I think that is that is where the, the art comes in and the ability to be to leverage those skills that, you know, people that go into PR you know, being a great writer and a great communicator is so, so important uh, to marry that up with the data. So I just wanted to double down on that. I I fully agree there. Love it. No, that's, that's really, really great. And actually what I was going to say in Chelsea, it's, it's even better now after what you just said is that one of the great things about this also is that um, you guys really, really underscored how it is still very, very important that there's a human touch to all of this. Because, you know, we're not talking about AI specifically, but there's always this conversation when it comes to data and scientific and technological aspects of this. People start to become concerned. Well, wait a minute. If that's going to be doing more and more, where do us humans fit into all of this? Well, you know what? Data is, I hope I'm saying this right, and I hope everyone out there understands what I'm meaning by this. Data is really, really smart, but it doesn't actually think. Right. Humans think data just kind of produces things and it does it great. And it does it fast, but it doesn't know what's really going to be important with a certain segment. Only humans know that. So this is the whole point is, is that data is not there to replace or endanger or anything like that. It is really there to make communicators better at what they do. And that's really important takeaway. And I think, yeah. And you know what, that's why you shouldn't be scared of data. You really should embrace it. Okay. Now I actually have have a question for both Sierra and Chelsea. I somehow managed to ask them each individualized question. So I think it's good to end this with something that's for both of them. There are so many metrics out there. How, how do PR practitioners know which ones to leverage? And I do realize that could be a 30 minute answer, especially could give how much knowledge you both have. But if you can kind of condense it into maybe one example, I think that'd be really helpful for our audience. Chelsea, I think I'm going to start with you because it's only fair. I started with Chelsea the last time. I started with Sierra the last time. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. So, so I would to keep it simple. I would I would simply um, say that we should orient our thinking around the outcomes that we are trying to achieve. So, how are we trying to influence? Who are we trying to influence? And what are we trying to uh, change in terms of how they think, feel, or behave? 
any key metrics program that you're setting up should be focused on that ultimate end state of that end goal for a PR communications practitioner. You know, just to cite one example, we had uh, a customer who uh, was really singularly focused on share voice as a key metric, simply because the, you know, C-suite's very competitive and and wants to, uh, wants to win, right? Problem is, is this competitor was up against the celebrity CEO or this company was up against the celebrity CEO at the competitor. And it was, it was an impossible uh, metric to, uh, an impossible goal to accomplish. So, What we helped that company do was reorient the thinking around the specific product lines and business areas and messages and campaigns that they were focused on driving where they knew, uh, you know, when they were successful there, they would drive business performance. And, you know, as a result, we were able to show that the company was moving the needle in terms of communicating the things that mattered to the target audiences and that drove business results. So that that's my advice. Absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that wholeheartedly. I echo back to what I had said originally about there really is no one size fits all, which is also the beauty of it, right? Because you're able to tailor it to the goal that you're, you're trying to achieve and choose metrics that really prove whether or not you've reached your desired outcome. So um, a few different examples of this that I could name, I think would be, um, and this is something that I think we speak about a lot and we even think about in day-to-day pitching, but you know, who is your target consumer and where is your target consumer consuming their news? Because when you think about it that way, you might be less concerned about the number of placements and the, you know, total reach or the total potential reach. Um, And instead, you might understand that you want to activate in such a way that you will get the attention of that media, right? So, that can totally change your approach. That could totally change the way that you're interacting with media, Um, And then also the way that you're communicating the goals from the jump. So I think it's thinking through that. I think it's thinking through, again, to your point, Chelsea, on on that example, I would love, if I were to chime in and I think if I was speaking to um, that client, I would then ask the question of what's more important, 100 placements versus 1,000 placements? Or what if your 100 placements were all feature mentions that have headlines in top tier media and your competitor has a thousand mentions in, you know, outlets that have much lower reach. So I think it's thinking through again, what is that goal? What are you hoping to achieve through your communication strategy? And then again, thinking through what is the best way to measure that? What's going to be the most informative and insightful for your team? You know, honestly, I am always invigorated when I'm part of a conversation this important and this insightful. It certainly helps to have two brilliant leaders like Sierra and Chelsea as the key players in it. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Thank CoinPR, of course, for supporting this session. And of course, I thank all of you out there watching this for devoting your valuable time to do so. Hope you got as much out of it as you were hoping, if not more. Please come back to PRWeek.com for more podcasts, podcasts, and similar sessions on the topics that are most important to your daily jobs. Till next time, this is Gideon Fiddlesite of PR Week wishing you all the best. Have a great rest of your day.